Hello, darlings. Welcome. And you're checking into, once again, the Horror Motel. I am Bunny Galore, the queen of the cult movies, or what's left of her. And I am joined <laughs> once again by the divine, the decadent, the delicious, the one and only Alison June Smith. Hello, darling. Oh, thank you. See, you are so good at all the words. <laughs> You're so good at using all the words perfectly. You're so charming and eloquent. The way you say things. <laughs> just listen to you talk all day long. I just want you to know that. So. Oh, thank you, darling. What's the name of you? I find your, uh, your voice is so relaxing, and the, the accent is just puts me makes me feel very calm and at home. So, and considering we're both quite horrendous alcoholics, I think that's pretty good going. <laughs> <laughs> very well. I'm a lies, lies, of that lies. everyone. So I got a little bit of in there. So I guess what Ooh. we're saying is, even if you're not a horror movie fan, uh, just throw us in for a little ASMR yes. and you fall asleep listening to us talk about blood and gore and all that is out there. <laughs> <laughs> did we have a glitch? We did have a glitch. Gremlins in our systems yeah. now. So We're going to have to do gremlins soon, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've got them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sign. We're going to have to do gremlins, aren't we? Yes, fairly soon, yes. We are. Um, yeah. So, uh, Addison, you're... Uh, we're just been talking about travel and things like that in the last few weeks. Yeah. And it's given me yeah. a, a bit of itchy feet. I think it's time for me to go away on holiday. You're always off doing glamorous things, but I've been trying to think where to get a great while, you know. <laughs> Any glamorous. <laughs> I've been trying to think where I'd like to go on holiday this year. And I don't normally um, have, the, well, obviously, in the last few years, none of us had the chance to go away. And I've, but post that, I've not had a chance to go away. So I've been thinking about where the best place to go. Do you prefer, if you're going holiday, holiday, not work, not work, do you prefer yeah. uh, like a, yeah. a summer holiday? Do you like a beachy holiday? Do you like a city break where you do the kind of museums or, or do you like the nightlife? Do you have a, a preference out of those? Okay, so for me, my greatest joy in life is swimming. I love swimming with all my heart and soul. So I always think of like a beach place. Now, I would be up for a city holiday if I'm in a hotel that has a really nice pool. That's fine. I could do that as well. I'd be up for that. But what I think when I think of a holiday, I think of nice weather, a little bit of sun, you know. So I think that's where I go a bit more. Like I only went to yes. Greece for the first time because... For in Canada, we're not flying to Greece from Canada. No, uh, so I only true. went there f for the first time like five years ago, and it blew my mind, and I thought it was amazing, and I loved every second of it because I had never experienced anything like that. All we've got is Mexico. Mex or Mexico, Mexico. as my mom says. <laughs> Mexico. Well, it's true. It's, I think because as a child, my we didn't go abroad. As, uh, this is back in the 1804. Uh, we didn't go. Um, there was no planes back in those days. Um, uh <laughs> We got out the horses in the carriage, and we That's were like, we're going camping. Yeah. That's it. So I used to go to Cornwall a lot, uh, places like Woolacombe and Perrinporth. Uh, Perrinporth's got a huge sandy beach as well. It's like massive, very dramatic. So in, I think possibly because of that, even though I'm not particularly a sunbather, I do, you know, <laughs> vampires can't go in daylight. No, um, but uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> But it's, I always kind of still think of holidays have to, in some way, involve a beach or a pool. Yeah. I, I'd find 
Um, city breaks a little bit strange. I have been in the last few years before the pandemic to Vegas three times with two friends, and um, oh, and a, a, the first time actually with a with a fourth friend. Um, and I'm not a gambler, but because yeah. I, I, as you might have guessed, my kitsch factor is quite high. Um, I quite like. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like the, the campus cityness of Vegas, and I had been before. My friends hadn't been. Uh, I'd been like twenty years ago, but I so I knew I knew it wasn't. I think everyone has this image of Vegas being like Soho in the nineteen sixties. It's going to be slightly glamorous and edgy and dangerous, and you know, it's not. It's more like a very adult version, not even that adult version of um, Disneyland. Basically, it's very fake and it's very uh, there's not non-historic but i say that there's some yeah. part, if you go to old vegas that it is kind old of vegas. becoming it's almost because the third trip i did which must have been 2018 or 19 i guess was uh, i had an artist friend who uh weirdly had done a uh had put, done a portrait of me like a cartoon portrait that was part of a series all the horror hosts of america now horror hosts uh, is oh. something i do which is where you host bad movies on late night tv and this, you know, starts with Vampire. The most famous is probably Elvira in 81, but there's thousands in America. Every city had their own from the 50s to, to now. Now it's on the internet age. And I am part of that legacy, I guess, very kindly. Uh, they, they include me. Except we do it for 10 years. I guess people, I've kind of, you know, sort of stuck out a little bit because I'm one of the very, very few, if only, proper horror hosts in the UK because no one wants yes. to do it. <laughs> but the, the weird bit was the, the day he'd published the, the portrait as part of the series, and I said, oh, that's great. I'll, um, well, I'll, I'll, uh, when I get some, I'm in a hotel at the moment and I'll, uh, I'm on holiday. But when I get some Wi-Fi, I'll you know, post about this properly. And he went, oh, where are you? And I went, oh, I'm in Vegas. And he went, that's where I live. And it turns out he was actually working at the hotel, which I certainly stayed at for the second and third year. Isn't that absolutely spooky? So we met for a cup of tea and have a little catch up. Of all, literally, I mean, by the way, if you work in the hotel opposite, I think I was perhaps at the Venetian, and I think he was working at the Wynn. Uh, opposite is still like five miles away because <laughs> it's so vast, isn't it, Vegas? Yeah, um, but yeah. That's a strange, such a strange coincidence out of life. But lovely. He on the third trip, him and his wife took me to Old Vegas, and suddenly it's become a bit like Shoreditch, as in you know, kind of a bit yeah. sort of bohemian and a bit artsy. And almost to the point where it wasn't like that two or three years beforehand when I first went and we met that time, it was, yeah, it changed already. So I'd be interested to see how it's evolved still. So it's almost becoming self-referential. It's quite strange, isn't it? Yeah. But obviously we, we all go yeah. to Vegas for different reasons and I go for the, you know, the feathers yeah. sequence and my friends go for gambling, but I, you know, I just... Some people go to get married, and some people go to get divorced. Some... <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I didn't get married. I can't. I can't. I can't be too sure. Um, but in my head, you always have to have a a, a beach involved or a or a pool somewhere. Uh, so yeah. uh, I think this year we were thinking about going to Barcelona. I was going, wasn't Barcelona inland? I don't know where that is, but that's quite close to Sitges, so that's kind of very beachy. So I was going, oh, that's a nice idea. So I think it will still be involved that which is just as well because i can't actually swim so i've never been what? able to swim no i sink i'm like the titanic i just go down very quickly 
And I'm just not that out about swimming. He is talking about swimming, everyone. Just so you know. Oh my goodness, I just said that out loud. That wasn't intentional. Ah, it comes out very quickly. Oh, I love goodness. it. Yes. <laughs> that was an unintentional uh, innuendo. <laughs> it just seems. Your face is a little bit balls. red. Uh, no, my gosh. I uh, Bunny's, Bunny's face is a little bit red. And if you care to see her face go red throughout the episode, feel free to join us with on our Patreon where you can get video content now. Uh, Bunny, what is the actual Patreon address? You said it so nicely last time. What is it our Patreon is? Uh, I think it's, uh, what it will be, uh, the, the Patreon address slash uh, Horror Motel. So if, and the link is in the bio as well, if you need to find that. Like so, um, uh, yes, yeah, so, oh my goodness, I am a, it's proof that I actually have a blood flow. There we go. Who knew? I there actually... we go. Didn't think I had anything working. Vampires still turn red, everyone. <laughs> Vampires get embarrassed too. Yeah, they don't, they don't glitter. Oh, by the way, I actually finally tracked down the first. I've watched the first two episodes. Finally, Interview with a Vampire, the TV series, is available in the UK, what? boys and girls. But it's on Amazon, but you have to buy it at the moment. You have to buy it. So it's like £2.50 an episode. But if you buy it, it's. I think it's probably more of an investment if you, than if renting it. So at least you still have it. But it's only six, seven episodes. So what's that? £17 is what you'd you know, buy a box set for. So. We're just so used to streaming. Like going to the movie, going to a movie costs exactly. you that much, so you may exactly. as well just own a series. Yeah. And I loved it. I actually, I, I'm really surprised. I really, enjoy, I wasn't expecting. I, d- I didn't know what I was expecting. Um, uh, I love the updating, the change of it slightly. Uh, there's a lovely scene at the beginning where it normally start with you know the interviewer and the vampire, and he goes, "It's almost like they did the original interview back in the late seventies, early or when it whenever it was written. I can't remember it's written. Uh, I think it's quite late seventies, um, and it's it, they, as if that's already happened, and this is them meeting again, and having you know to do it properly. And I thought that's just genius because therefore it's not you're kind of acknowledging." the past film and the past the book yeah uh, and that now you're kind of and it, even the interviewer now is an older man of course the vampire hasn't aged so i thought oh that's really clever that's really that's really, really really good really cleverly done and i really enjoyed it so far i there's quite it's quite riffing on uh much more i mean obviously there's a lot left out of the the tv show a lot left out of the book from the movie and the, you'd think that the the TV show would fill those gaps, and they, it's actually filling in much more than that. So uh, I was I, so I recommend it at least, at least you know you could watch episode one and make an educated guess where they go. Oh, I think I'll enjoy this and see if I go on. So you know, worth it for the two pound fifty just for episode one. Um, so where I'm were excited. we? Excited, yeah, excited. definitely. But yeah, so I yeah, can't so swim. We're talking about <laughs> you can't swim. I can't swim. I am shocked by that. So you've never you just. Uh, Danny's the same, my fella. He just sinks. Like, sinks, just yes, sinks. sinks. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm it's, always like, it's because you tense. You got to relax. You got to relax. Oh. Like, what do you mean relax? What do you mean? You get in the water and you, and I was like, no, you got to, but I think it's because you're, it's that fear of going under the water that yeah. you tense up a bit and that causes you to sink down. That causes you to sink down. Um, but yeah, no, I've always been a water baby. I love it because I'm weightless in water, everyone, and that's the other goddamn time I feel that. So well, I'm, I'm it feels pretty more, good. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably more buoyant now than I probably was when I was younger. So, uh, but you've just made me realize it probably is tension. It probably is. It's probably tensing up. So that leads us. Look at look at me doing a segue. That leads us very neatly so good. into the film. <laughs> 
kind of unintentional this was, uh, the film that I'm bringing to the Horror Motel this week, which, uh, this is why I've never learned to swim. <laughs> because... We can blame it. We can blame it on this, yeah. <laughs> it's well, possibly cinema's masterpiece, one of the most film, famous films of all time. It is 1975's Jaws. I mean, just that, how amazing that a piece, I mean, John Williams again, isn't it? So if, it is John Williams, isn't it? I'm not going crazy. It is something a bit like Star Wars made the as a new hope in episode um episode 4 uh it is made even more um, fantastic and legendary by its score uh well, yeah. I, it's yeah. very hard to imagine it without that music um and it's hard to describe, isn't it? Because so I'll, I'll just, if you haven't seen Jaws, which I find very hard to believe. <laughs> so it's a 1975 <laughs> film based on uh, on the book by uh, Peter uh, Benchley. And it was a big bestseller. But in 1974, when that came out, to try and turn it into a movie, I think was a stretch. Because uh, this is the first film that was made on the ocean. Properly, not in a tank yes. or anything like that. It's the first film that was made... Uh, Steven Spielberg directed it, and he really wanted to do it like out in the in on location. Oh gosh, I mean, yeah. it led to a lot of problems. As it's almost as legendary as the film itself. But the basic plot is: uh, uh, police, ch- there's a killer shark unleashes absolute bedlam on Amity uh, Amity Island, which I think is is uh, just sh- it's actually shot just off Martha's Vineyard. But it's supposed to in be Massachusetts. Like, yeah, yeah, but I think it's yeah. supposed to be set in Long Island. I think the book is set off Long Island, but they don't yeah. really tell you where it is. But it's that kind of vibe. It's kind of that. So, yeah. so it's a coastal town. Uh, this is actually an island in uh, that it relies on tourism uh, for its money. So, therefore, if a, if a shark attacks and starts killing people. Obviously, people are the local shopkeepers. Uh, you know, when it's still that early stages of you're not quite sure what's happening, they are resistant to the beaches being closed. But it comes down to police chief Martin Brody, played by uh, Robert uh, Schneider, and marine bi- biologist Matt Hooper, played by Richard Dreyfus, and a professional shark hunter and an old sea lag, uh, Quint, played by Robert Shaw, as the threesome that uh, go after the shark in the third third of the movie to hunt the shark so it becomes very much like Moby Dick at the end uh it probably has three sections to it it probably the first section is that building you know it's a summer almost like a slasher movie but the slasher the, the, the murderer is the shark the beginning is very much is what's happening there's a few attacks the middle section is kind of uh, really kind of denial but building racking up the tension of like trying to prove it's a, a killer shark they capture one shark and it's too small and then the final third is basically a three-hander with them trying to hunt down the shark which is i think very the only part of the movie which i originally found a little bit dull because it's a little bit three white straight guys on a boat um and you're kind of waiting for the end but there's some so many twists and turns in that section that still make it um still exciting uh it was infamously beleaguered by many problems uh, it had a budget of about four million to start with it turned out to cost nine million but on the plus side 
as we're speaking, it's made uh, 476 million at the box office. Isn't that crazy? Oh my God. That's... 776 million. I know. And that's just probably that. I mean, I always think that that's ballpark. I mean, there's still probably a lot. If you really added it out, there'd be a lot more. It was supposed to film for 55 days. It took 159 days to film eventually. Um, but it's it's culturally such a game changer. 1975, you mm-hmm. did not have a summer blockbuster. And in 1975, you certainly didn't have a... I would still term this movie a horror. I think it's probably more of a thriller horror because it's not... It, I suppose because horror, you always think it involving nighttime a lot, don't you? But it's because it's sunny and bright. It's it, I don't think it's what we think of as a horror, is it? But it changed the way films were made from there on. I don't think you'd get Raiders or uh, Star Wars uh, if you didn't have this film because it made uh, big budget, uh, not big budget, it's the wrong word, but big blockbuster, summer blockbuster, fashionable. And I think all those films you get in the late 70s and the early 80s, E.T., Close Encounters... It all come from, and obviously it made Spielberg's career. He'd made two films before. One is Jewel. I can't remember what the other one's called. Um, but it was fairly new. He's a fairly new director at that point. Has yeah, certainly... I think he was 26. Yeah, 26, 26 yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah. Which probably the original director, do you know who they were gonna? No, I don't know actually. No, I don't. Yeah, I saw this. So let me find it. it they were initially going to have it uh, with. Um, this is the best resident of revenge. Consider oh gosh, I I just looked this up. This is, oh, uh, they initially wanted John Sturges, uh, uh, yeah. and yes. Rick Richards was actually offered the first the job first. However, this is very funny. For some weird reason, Richards kept calling the shark in the movie a whale, and the oh. producers dropped him and replaced him with Spielberg because he kept saying the whale, the whale, and they were like, mate. Get on board. We're talking about a shark, so you are you're fired. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's if you, that you obviously not read the book. Um, and um, yeah, I, I mean, yes, it's it, Moby Dick, right? It's Moby, Dick. Moby Dick. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, pal. Yeah, yeah. He's obviously that's where he's maybe for the wrong book. Um, but it, it is kind of a, a whale, a whale of a tail. Um, it is to, a whale of a tail. Uh, to quote a song from Mo- the Moby Dick musical, um, it's. Uh, it is certainly that at the end of the film. And one of my favourite little scenes, which uh, when I watched it the first time, I, it, it, the old sea dog, Quint, tells his story about the Minneapolis uh, sinking, which was uh, a torpedoed um, American uh, destroyer. And everyone goes into the water, and because it's so secret, because they were delivering the components to the nuclear uh, bomb, that the first nuclear bomb, during the war that no one knows they're out in the water so they're left there for about three or four days and by which time I think about 900 people went into the water and only about 300 are pulled out now I, it's a, it's a spine chilling story in the movie I presumed was some wasn't true I thought it was like you know when I first first saw the movie I thought it was this is a, a script you know and then since then of course I've realised it's a very very true uh, and it's it's um, it, uh, blood chilling uh thought is it to be stuck in water for three days um and i think the sharks came in because they you know they were drawn by the noise and the blood in the water from the from people being killed and there's they would they would attack the dead bodies and the 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 injured and then they started going after the the new um the 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 survivors basically so um yeah it's 
chilling story, isn't it? It adds an extra level of real terror to the movie. The film is beautifully shot. There's this really famous um, uh, dolly zoom, which is when you, if you, if you got uh, zoom in on somebody at the same time as um, pulling away, so the person ends up staying um, still, but the background kind of explodes around them, and it's a great, oh, it's a great moment of oh my gosh, a realization type of moment. It's used brilliantly in this on the beach with uh, Brody. Um, um, now, why this is interesting, though, because it is 1975, so both of us wouldn't have seen this when it came out, certainly at the cinema. No. No. I wish I could quite remember when I first saw it. I guess it was on the 80s in on TV, and I've seen it many, many times since. I have the, I have the Blu-ray, and it's, um, it, which the, the new, by the way, the restoration that I did is incredible. Um I wish I could remember the first time, but it must have been on TV in the in the I wouldn't be the seventies. I would have mentioned the eighties. Do you remember when you first saw it, Alison? Yeah, I remember having young memories of seeing it on TV. So it was definitely on TV. I remember sitting around and my parents being like, "Oh, it's Jaws," and you know, I had no idea. And then watching it, and then it's that music, like you said, yeah. that just that changed society. Duh-na. Like, yeah. people who don't even know Jaws have never seen it, but they know that's the music that is connected to a shark. Mm. That wasn't until Baby yeah. Shark came along, but we <laughs> talked about that. Um, that God, I'm not even saying the first. If we even started, it won't uh, stop. I don't even have children, and I know it. Um, so, uh, dunna, dunna. Uh, but that, I mean, that has been... So, I think, yeah, TV, TV was the first mm. place that I saw it. Uh, you were talking about how it was a summertime hit. Also, this was the first movie that they released uh, in a bunch of uh, theaters all at once. So it was yes, released in about big release, 400 and something. Yeah. And normally what they would do is just do smaller releases and then move across the country. So they would release here. and But what they did that, that was the first one where they went one big release. Oh, I didn't realize it was so the first. funny to think yes. that. Yeah. Yeah. It was the first one where they went and 500 theaters go. Yes. Uh, and what a smart idea. Like, mm. why were they, what was the point of, like, I guess maybe we didn't have the same sort of advertisement that we do now, so it would you trickle it in an area? But Yes. I think yeah. this is the first time yeah. they've used TV adverts as well that for, was for this. Ah. As much as they did. I mean, they probably did do it for yeah. other things, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. As, but as much as they did. I think possibly because they were probably aiming for a teenage to 20-something, you know, quite a big audience. But um, yeah. I would imagine they were going for that youth demographic, I would have thought. Um, I think it's also... I, I think the, the the releasing thing might have been something to do with the way... Because we always think of the studios being owned by MGM, Universal, uh, RKO, you know, Warners. But I think uh, cinemas were also in chains as well. So uh, I think that's possibly why you, you would have rolled across the country because certain cinemas were owned by certain companies so i think it would be and i think you see that swing towards everybody releasing at the same time obviously because of this film did not realize that but uh also everybody they knew if you don't show this movie everyone will get angry so um because yeah, they want to see it yeah, want to yeah. See it. so i think this and then you see it with greece uh, uh, a couple of years later as well <laughs> You know what? I'd never noticed. There's a Olivia Newton-John um, song before the first beach attack with the little boy uh, on the lilo. Uh, Olivia Newton-John song is playing, and I suddenly, which I knew now, 
but um uh it's honesty i love you i think it's one of those ones and um and i because i never i to me she's sandy she becomes famous from sandy in greece i didn't realize she was a big star before that really um and because we you know didn't, didn't i wasn't around then so much but uh that was yeah. i found really weird i also by the That's way interesting in that scene i always find it quite fascinating i think there's a lot of locals that are cast in all the extras and things. i think particularly the lady that plays the mother uh of the little boy that's killed on the lilo is a local ish i think i mean she's an actress i think but she's localish but this this is a really weird thing to admit to but in the 90s when i was first moved to london me and my flatmates used to watch this film quite a lot and uh there's that scene where she approaches uh chief brody and she's she's you know come from the funeral by the looks of it because she's all in black you know she's a full veil and everything and she goes chief brody and just slaps him around the face. And there was something about the delivery of the line, Chief Brody, slap, that we, it became a catchphrase in our house. There was two of these. There's one from Aliens, which if we ever do Aliens, I'll do it then. And that was, like, the thing is, I've watched, when I've rewatched it for this podcast, it's not that bad. It's not like she's really stiff and robotic. And I don't know why this became a gag in our house. But sometimes some quotes from movies really became into our lexicon of in who I was living with at the time and it still happens now doesn't it but Chief Proudy slap was the, was the the thing that we used to do and then I've just read this I hope it's not an urban myth that she was going decades after the film came out she the, but I've only read this online in the last few weeks uh, she's going past a restaurant that had oh, I forgot the character's name like Mike Denver or something whatever the character the little boy's called a Mike Denver sandwich whatever the character of the her, the son that gets killed is called and she goes past her and she says she goes in and goes oh I used to, I played the mother of the, the the boy in the in the film and the the owner comes running out from the back room and it's the little boy the actor that played the little boy oh. I did it isn't it lovely and they haven't seen each other since the fil- <laughs> filming. Now, I don't know if it is urban myth, because it seems to be repeated a lot on the internet now. It's on IMBD, so I'm going to believe it. <laughs> I, I choose to believe. I choose to believe. That is so sweet. I love that idea. It just comes around. It's me, Mom. It's me, it's Mom. Me. It's Mom. Oh, I think it's adorable. That slap scene, too. Did you know they uh, they tried? They couldn't teach her to do a fake slap, so that's a real slap. Every yeah, time they tell. Saw- you can tell. She slapped him. He had to take a beating because they tried and she was like, I just, they couldn't work it out. So she just slapped him across the yeah. face for several takes. It's quite, I think it would be hard to fake that because it's kind of, it, it, it's it's not really, um, he's got glasses on as well, which or sunglasses on, which I was a bit like, is that, shouldn't he have taken those off? Because that really asking for trouble, isn't it? Wearing glasses. Um, you would think. But you would think, no, yeah. So, no. so culture is very important. It's Still scary as hell, isn't it? It's just, there's so many bits that still make me jump. The extra bit, though, the only reshoot Spielberg did after the 159 days is that scene where the head pops out the ship. That's filmed in a swimming pool with some milk in the swimming pool to make it look like it's underwater and a tarpaulin over the top of the swimming pool to get the head popping out. I think it must be just that section, I think. But um, but the part, yeah, that's one of my favourite scares, weirdly, isn't it? Do you have a favourite part of the movie? It was... I mean... I think, to be honest with you, kind of the opening just mm. grabbed me, right? When she's mm. swimming. And that opening scene took three days to film, by the way, everyone. Oh, because what they did yeah. with this, that actress, they hooked her up in an underwater harness. And then on either side of the harness, they had like 
guys that were pulling on the harness, but they said, don't let her know when you're going to start pulling so we get a natural reaction. And it just, it was the shot underwater having to do it and the harness pull. So it took three days. Could you imagine that three days of just like being, you know, harnessed up? But that seemed to me just like, and it started there, things so quickly. There's an urban myth. Well, I don't know if it's true or not. But when that, it was actually very painful because there's there's one section where she, you can hear a scream. It hurts, and it, that's supposed to be actually her crying for help. And it's left of the movie. Again, it's a in bit the stupid like, harness. Yeah, yeah. I, again, it's a bit like the person hanging themselves in the Wizard of Oz movie, which is like, well, if you just watch the HD version, it's a pelican. Um, <laughs> why, why, why are you saying it's a midget hanging themselves? Uh, well, this is a person, sorry. Um, uh, and I, again, I, again, I don't care if it's open myth. I, I, I like to believe that story that's true. Well, not like's the right word there, but it's, uh, yeah, it's very harrowing, that opening scene. I've forgotten how, yeah. how, I think that's possibly one of the most famous sections of the movie is that opening scene. It just grabs you instantly. Terrible. It's just like, wow. Yeah. And I think also this brings me to a point too that I think is really important in horror films. It's the fact that because there were so many mechanical malfunctions, so they had Mm -hmm. two mechanical sharks, I believe, Mm -hmm. that, like, you know, were so expensive to make, but they kept having mechanical problems. So they had to rethink and reshoot a lot of the scenes without seeing the shark. And I have to say, I think that's what adds to the movie. Yeah, I think it's... If we'd seen too much of the shark... Oh, there's the big shark again. It's the fact that it's what? It's like 42 minutes, 50 minutes or something before we even see... Yeah, the shark. Like, really, they get into the shark stuff, and I think it's that whole idea of what we create in our minds is always going to be scarier than yes. what is presented yes. to us on screen. Yes. So Jaws did such a good job of creating that actual internal fear and that the thing we don't see, the thing that is under the wall. So uh, uh, for that, I just thought it's brilliant. So I think it's that opening scene where we see her, but we again, it's not seeing the shark, it's not seeing the scary. It's kind of why I like Nightmare on Elm Street, because Freddy was in the shadows for so long in the beginning, the first one. And then when you actually see him, that's what brings the terror forth, you know? I yes. actually thought about this. Yeah. I think there should be a drinking game, okay, to go along with Jaws. <laughs> I would love... Here we go. I would love the original script so we could see every time the shark was supposed to appear... You do a shot. So when you get to the scene in the movie where the shark was supposed to, you do a shot of something. Then you go to the next, oh, shark was supposed to be there. I, I bet you we would all be hammered within the first, yeah. like, 40 minutes. But because of the mechanical problems, yeah. there was less shark. So that, that to me, is my shark's uh, jaws drinking game I want to throw out there one day. We should give that a go. <laughs> if we can get the original script, see all the times the shark was supposed to appear, and do a shot every time. Yeah. That's yeah. great idea. I love that, <laughs> Because there'd be quite a lot. We'd be hammered. Uh, yes, you're right. Within the first 45 yeah. minutes, um, it's. I think it. Yes, uh, it, it certainly lent unintentionally to that thing of the less you so show, the scarier it is. And yeah. uh, you know that's the mistake of a lot of low budget movies. Not that this was low budget per se, but low budget movies of the 50s and 60s is if you show the the crappy monster, you'll get it's going to spoil the joke. And that, I think you see that happen a lot in. Things like Doctor Who, particularly when it was like um, they were all oh, the monsters really bad. Let's keep it in the shadows, uh, and they. But they sometimes they don't learn by the mistake, and the very brightly lit studios of the nineteen eighties suddenly it's a bit like oh gosh, it's all a bit too much. But um, so that's that secret. I think it works really well. That that is still a great lesson now 
Uh, the the way yeah. the film's constructed uh, is, I think, perfect. Uh, I it's hard to talk. I think it's much harder to talk about a big classic movie like this because there's a l- lot less to pull apart because it's so good. It's I think that's why yeah. people talk about. There's two great documentaries: there's the making of Jaws, which I think was on a Laserdisc uh, release in 2000. 11. Um, that came out and that's a really good make of and then there's a second great making of called The, the Shark Is Working because uh, uh, every day they would have the <laughs> over the radio the shark is not working the shark is working quick you know and they, that won't be so it's called The Shark Is is Working um, or Still Working Still Working The Shark Is Still Working uh, that's the title which is a new one which came out about five years ago I think uh, so two great documentaries about the makeup, and weirdly, I think the behind the scenes is you know the, the actors not getting on, like the you know sort of the way just the fitting in the time when they couldn't shoot the shark, obviously. So, uh, so there's so much that's to be made of it because as a movie, as a piece of art, I think it's perfect. But some things yeah. come out like that, don't they? Wizard of Oz was an absolute absolute car crash. Uh, you, know, re- you know, the original cast members were get injured or ill and they were replaced uh, and you know different directors and you know directors of long wig to start with and, and too much makeup they changed it all for the middle section of filming which is what we know now and then someone finished it off a little bit with the Kansas scenes afterwards um, which is why they're a little bit very different style I think uh, some like a hot absolute you know carnage filming it um, because of Marilyn's uh, miscarriage during the movie and just general being Marilyn um, much as I, I don't want to the perfect mo- comedies of all time. The perfect, the perfect comedy of all time. Um, so some of those movies, uh, it, it seems to go I've one of two ways, doesn't it? It either goes brilliantly, uh, lightning in a bottle, or all these films you know, vanish off the face of the earth and never to be seen again. So it, you never get a mediocre movie with a, <laughs> with a, with a nightmare filming. No. It's either one way no. or the other. It's, it's either lightning in a bottle or it's absolutely terrible. Um, perhaps we just don't remember the terrible ones very much. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's why. What um what in this movie when you think about this movie? So we talk about the the music, which is iconic. Okay, uh, there's one line that I thought was really interesting, and there's one line that I remember from the movie, and it's when he says, "You're going to need a bigger boat." Oh yes, which apparently and he's talking about. Cat, you're going to. Which is was. changed in post as well. It's like the, the in the test screen. It was improvised. Yeah. Oh, improvised. Yeah. It was oh, improv- I see. Improvised yeah. line. It, it um, was a total improvised line. Yeah. Oh. He, uh, Schneider said it on the day of shooting and they just kept it. And then it became a real big like inside joke throughout the whole filming. So you're going to need a bigger boat was an improvised line. And to me, it's one of the lines that stands out. Yeah. Oh, totally. Well, the, I was going to say the same line, but for a different story. Because in test screenings, the the scream because uh, the the shark attack on the the shark attacks the boat was was covering the line, so they re-edited that section so to extend it. So he slowly backs up. They must have used multiple takes, I suppose, to make it look like to give the um, some air between the shark and then a little bit of a, bit, a few beats so that the audience calmed down and then boosted in the sound uh, the line. So you, people could hear it because it was getting missed with a jump scare just before it happened. So, they, so yeah. Now I don't think, don't think you'll notice that because it's kind of it's perfect now. But yeah, I thought that was so interesting because that is such an iconic line of the movie, isn't it? You're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's 
yeah, it, uh, I, I, and that whole last section is just, I think it escalates so quickly as well because you kind of think, oh, they've you know been sitting around waiting for so long, you know, been popping up and down a few times, and it's a bit of a waiting game, and then suddenly, whack, it suddenly goes, doesn't it? And then it's full on, yeah, yeah, full yeah. On. yeah. Like, oh my goodness, and it really goes for it, doesn't it? It suddenly becomes. Um... It's like the beginning. We don't get much shark, not much shark, not, and then you get shark. You get intense shark right shark, at the end. Yes. So they're like, okay, we're gonna make up for all that time where you didn't get this, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the best pictures that I've seen, like looking through all the notes for this and everything, is the shot of Steven Spielberg sitting in Jaws now. Yes. Get that almost everywhere. It's, it's that shot, big. It? And you, because you can really see the size of the shark. Like, what was it? I, I wrote down it was one and a half tons and measured 25 feet in length. Wow. Like, it was, it was a bus. They built a shark bus, two yeah. shark buses. Um, and so if you if you get a chance and you go online and just Google, you see that 26-year-old Steven Spielberg sitting in a shark, probably thinking to himself, how much fucking longer is this movie? Is <laughs> Holy, <you know? laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I found a new thing I did not know. Apparently, so the, the last shot is of the movie shot is the explosion of the shark at the end. Spoilers. Um, but it's... Uh, <laughs> shark, shark. <laughs> Sushi at the end. And... Um, but he didn't stay for the filming of that final shot. He flew back uh, to the West Coast um, with Richard Dreyfus, I think, because he was scared the crew were going to tie him to the explosives. As in, he thought, uh, you know, they, they, you know, they'll they'll play some joke on me on the like, yeah. they'll 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 you know because it's the end of the movie. And ever since then, he never does the last day of filming on any of his films, which I thought was very really? yeah. All the last bit of he'll go and just leave it to the crew to complete by themselves. It's that strange. Wild. I know. Again, I don't know if it's a. Yeah. It's in the documentary, and I was like, uh, well, it's it's kind of other people reporting it. So I don't think Spielberg says it himself, but maybe he does. No, I think he does. So it must be truth. I was about, that's a really interesting little, like, oh, it's become like his little motif now that he doesn't do the last day of filming. Um, Wow. But probably because they thought the crew were going to tie into the exploding shot. He's like, I got to get out of here. I'm not dealing with this anymore. Uh, how many, have you watched any of the other ones? So there's, there's three. Yes, like I have. Three sequels. Yes, yes. I've yeah. certainly, I've, and Jaws 2, I, I, I've seen probably the most. Uh, I could have been hypnotized by the scene uh, on uh, on George, uh, the Revenge. So it's, yes, George 2 is fairly straightforward uh, sequel. There's George yeah. 3 in 3D. Guess what? There's another shark. Guess what? There's a shark. Guess what, everyone? There's another shark. Uh, and uh, that's pretty terrible 3D. George, Jaws for the Revenge, which I think is the Michael Caine one, I think, uh, is a... Oh, gosh. Um, that's... Yeah, it gets progressively cheaper and sillier as it goes along. Um Quite well, the fact that the shark has a memory is like yeah, coming exactly. back at you know, like okay, number one, my suspension of disbelief. Don't get me wrong; it's pretty big, but sometimes I'm like, eh. yeah, I don't mind the second one. Um, I, and sometimes I think there's sections of the second one that kind of get mixed up in my head about the first one. Sometimes, like, oh no, that's that happens in the second one because uh, I think it, it's more to do with the kids and they're kind of. I remember at the end they're all kind of on boats and they're kind of trying to tether the boats together because they're stuck out there no one knows they're out there um yeah and before before rescue comes and the shark uh, picks them off slowly uh i don't remember the i think number three is set in a theme park or it starts attacking a theme park like um like uh, water world or something like that it is attacking i 
don't remember them before. I have a feeling it was somewhere exotic, so I don't know. But I think that's all. But obviously, because it's inspired so many movies. I was watching one the other day where it was like um, uh, flooding. It, it was um, uh, flooded. Uh, oh, it was actually quite a good fun film. Uh, it, it flooded town, and uh, so the sharks are coming inland. That was that was quite a good jumpy one. I quite oh, wish I could remember the name of the film. There, it was, there was another one, Deep Blue Sea, oh, where Deep they get trapped in. And yeah. I mean, it's that's CGI. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but like you know, Deep Blue Sea is it. possibly one of the that's one of the bigger ones that came post. Yeah. Uh, what was that nineties? Piranha. They would say even uh, Piranha. Piranha. Was... Yes, yeah, the, well, the original like... Piranha. Yes. Uh, one of our uh, listeners uh, actually suggested doing the nineteen seventy eight Piranha, um, which I do love that movie, and I love the new one, the Piranha three D one as well. That was super fun. See, I've only um, seen the three D, so I should watch the. Yeah, original well, perhaps also. we should do. Yeah, perhaps we should do the original sometime because it's actually quite. That's quite earnest. It's quite. It's. You know, there's a few. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of those sequels that came out. So there was like the and, and there's a Michael Caine one, the one with the bees, the swarm, uh, Piranha. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of those nature attacks type of movies that kind of uh, are kind of to do with the birds, I guess, but more to do with Jaws. I think there's a lot of Jaws inspired so. ones that come around. So to be honest, who is the monster? Before we check it in, who's oh, yes. the monster? The people or the shark? I mean, oh, yeah, that's the a real people. debate there. Yes. Sharks just swimming around being a shark. You're the yeah. one in the water. So, you yeah. know, that also, they I do think... such a good job of painting him as the villain. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. like, shark's just a shark. Shark's going to be a shark, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the greedy townspeople. I think it's a great um, ah. commentary on commercialism and you know, money over safety. Which you know a lot of you know that happens a lot, doesn't it? In, in, in these films, it's a very moral, to, like you know, towering inferno yep. and things like that. That's it's our moral story, yeah, yeah, our moral lesson for this one. Because as I say, most horror movies, you can sometimes it takes a bit longer to find that lesson. But well done, mm-hmm. Bunny. I love that the idea of yeah, commercialism over safety. Yeah, yeah it's definitely a love it. That. So, my darling. So, as I brought the movie to the to the motel, uh, I would like to know where you would like to put Jules in the horror motel. Well, you know, I don't think I'm going to surprise anyone by my choice. Uh, It'll be the first one that we check in. Uh, I am putting it directly in the pool, everyone. Uh, We're still not fully we're still not fully filled up on water, but we've put it directly in the pool. Not in the pool house. Not in that. We are in the pool is where Jaws goes. Um, I don't think there's anywhere else we could really. No. I mean, may, maybe out back because the shark was broken so many times. So we've got the you shark know, in like our trash yeah, heap out back. But yeah, but fine. I think the pool <laughs> is the most appropriate place for Jaws to be checked into. Yeah. yeah perfect. That's what I'm going to say. Absolutely perfect. I, I think it needs to go, <laughs> go there. Eventually it might get up to the rim of the, uh, the, the water. I mean, it's just this one little, little tap. And one hose is going very slowly. So, uh, hopefully, George. Slow process. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it's pretty murky in there, so you've got to be careful what's under the water, you never know. Uh, so, don't forget, boys and girls, you can join us on Patreon to watch the video version of, of this episode and come and join us next time on the Horror Motel. <laughs>